Yo, get up, stand up, it's time for you to rock and roll with Soho Radio. And I am Soho. Radio. I'm here with my regular pals. Hey, 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 how are you all doing? It's November, um, where you're listening to Soho Radio. Uh, you're listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. I was really surprised then. I thought we'd hear some more of the theme tune, and I would normally come in in my slow and smoky way. But this, is a, this isn't happening this time. Here in the studio with Matt Abbott. Hello, how are you doing? And we've got a very special guest. We have Amy Aker. Hello. We'll be hearing more from Amy Aker later. She's a fabulous poet and also the the brains behind the brilliant Bad Betty Press. Um, But before any of that, we're going to hit you with an amazing track. I just Um, heard this one recently and I fell in love with it and discovered this album, which I knew nothing about. It's new. It's Rosie Lowe and Duval Timothy and it's a song called Sun. Yeah. 
Hi, and welcome back to Roaring Twenties Radio. Um, we are a little bit in a fluster. Feeling a bit flustered this morning. We are. I tripped my over fault, and I, I hurt say. my ankle, so I'm just worried about that right now. I was late. And it was our two-year birthday the other day, so our heads are in a bit of a spin. Yeah. But it's all good. It's Crazy. exciting. We have so much has gone on since we did the first show in November <laughs> 2019 <laughs> and decided to call our show Roaring Twenties. Roaring for the things that are happening in the twenties. Oh my God, we have been roaring <laughs> so hard. Did we bring it on, guys? <laughs> was it our fault <laughs> well look we had plenty of content and, and and we always kept it going as well even when we were doing it at home on zoom yeah. we kept it going so this is episode 23 which is very exciting it is yeah, i love the number wonderful. 23 as you know it's a magic it's a, one. it's a fun age to be yeah it's a magic number okay so um I, w- I feel bad that wasn't a very good introduction. Our very, very special guest is Amy Aker. Welcome to Roaring Twenties Radio, Amy. Hey, guys, and happy birthday. Thank you. It's fantastic to share and celebrate our birthday show with you. So, Matt, tell the listeners a little bit about the amazing life and times of the mighty Amy Aker. This is your life, yeah. Uh, Amy is a poet and freelance writer from London and the editor of Bad Betty Press. Her pamphlets include And They Are Covered in Gold Light on Bad Betty in 2019 and Where We're Going, We Don't Need Roads on Flip Tie in 2015. They were each chosen as a Poetry Book Society pamphlet choice. Her poem, Every Girl Knows, won the 2019 Verve Poetry Competition. She featured on the Last Dinosaurs 2020 track In the Belly of a Whale, which has been streamed over 600,000 times on Spotify. What? In 2021, she wrote and recorded Radio 4's The Ballad of the Bet, a BBC pick of the week. Her work has appeared in 3AM Magazine, Bath Mag, Diva, Perverse, Poetry London, The Poetry Review, Poetry Wales, The Rialto, The Scores, The White Review, <laughs> and elsewhere. Her debut collection will be published in 2023. We absolutely love her. Uh, yeah, Amy Aker. Very exciting. We've wanted to get you on the show for some time now. We're so happy you're here today. You've been on our list for a while. (laughs) Well, you've been on my list. Ah, (laughs) Well, here we go. There we go. I like being on someone's list. So, yeah, we're going to chat to Amy in a bit. We're going to hear about Amy's poetry and writing and also about Bad Betty. We love shouting about Bad Betty on this uh, show. Yeah, yeah, we've featured a lot of of the books, haven't we? Yeah, and Amy's going to read for us as well, which is exciting. Very exciting. But before that... We're going to have a little bit of Alice Coltrane. So here is Blue Nile. Let's like it.
welcome back. This is Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio, and um, you're listening to us for this month's show. Um, and we're about to hear from Matt, Matt's monthly poetry roundup, which I don't really want to call it that, but it does, it flows off the tongue quite easily. Yeah, <laughs> sounds good. Better than my awkward way of, it's like, uh, sort of like spoken wordy to poetry stuff. No, yeah, monthly poetry roundup. Okay, grab your calendars and everything, and I'm going to give you the events. So first, up north on Wednesday, uh, Rowan McCabe is doing an hour-long solo show of his door-to-door poetry project. So with door-to-door poetry, he basically acts as a door-to-door salesman, knocking on random doors and telling people that he'll write him a poem like a personalised poem. How do people re- relate to that? Do they like it? Sometimes they hate it. Sometimes <laughs> they love it. Sometimes they want to punch him. Sometimes they want to cuddle him. But he does it in like council estates and he started off doing it around Middlesbrough where he's from. Yeah. But he's taken it around the country so he went to 12 towns around England and he did it just as COVID was starting. So he's basically ended up connecting, like chatting to these people on the doorstep and then going on Zoom and chatting to them afterwards and it's a really beautiful project. So he's going to take it on tour but he's doing it this Wednesday at the Ark in Stockton-on-Tees, which is near Middlesbrough. And his show basically talks you through what happened, like the reactions and the poems and the people that he met. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, So that's Rowan McCabe, and it's called Door-to-Door Poetry, so you should check him out online. Um, This Thursday, Outspoken London at the Southbank Centre, Nick McCower is headlining, Wayne Holloway-Smith is doing a bit, and Alice Hiller, and there's music as well. So that's at the Southbank, it's a tenor. You can you can never go wrong with Outspoken London. It's a great night. Yeah. And then on Friday, the Poets' Corner at the Black Cultural Archives in Brixton. So this is South London's most consistent spoken word night. It's been running since 2015 by an organisation called Poetic Unity, who do loads of great poetry events. They do loads of community outreach. They do uh, newsletters and podcasts. So that's this Friday, the Black Cultural Archives in Brixton. Uh, it's called the Poets' Corner. Thursday the 2nd of December in Manchester at the Manchester Poetry Library, they're doing a night with award-winning Trinidad-born poet Anthony Joseph, and they're launching their new collection of poetry on vinyl, which includes... Selena Godden, of course. Uh, so we've got loads of Nims and Fugs vinyl in there as well in the Manchester Poetry Library, so that's going to be good. That's me. Yeah, that's you. Uh, Thursday, the 9th of December, Chelping at the Leeds Library. That's one of my nights, but I'm going to give it a plug. Uh, Kim Moore is headlining. Kim oh, Moore's she's amazing. amazing, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, she's great. And we've got Becky Cherubin supporting. There's open mic, but it's full. Um, but you should come along. It's only a fiver. Thursday, the 9th of December, um, which is my mum's birthday. But I'm taking her out the night after. Okay. to see Madness and Squeeze do you know what I mean so Yay. like it's fine it's fine um, and I should just give a shout out as well to Verve Poetry Festival so that's in February the 16th to 20th they announced their programme on Thursday night and it's banging as always so you should check out oh, Verve Poetry we've had Poetry. some good times at that that's good yeah Verve's great in it so I'm really glad that it's back okay releases um, up first Matthew Haig Vampires it came out on Bad Batty Press on Thursday Woo-hoo. which is only two days ago isn't it um, Matthew Haig's Vampires is a rare book devastating both for its dazzling linguistic flair and its moving central story an allergy to lost to a lost beloved aunt rich with references that places firmly in the late 80s and early 90s it reminds us that childhood is leaping from a bridge into mist it's a heady read in which family life bleeds into gothic fantasy into video games and arcade classics with their endless potential for death and rebirth Every word is lacquered, effulgent, cut like crystal, packed with E-numbers, fizzing with energy. Vampires is a dream resurrected, a surreal MTV video, an ode to our beta version hearts. Um, Amy, what, what would you like to say about Matthew Higgs' Vampires? Uh, I really enjoyed hearing you read the, read the blurb there. Um, it's, oh, I, I just I love this book so much. It was such a joy to get it, to put it out, to work with Matt on it. He's really um, an incredible writer, and his writing is... 
just kind of like eating, reading it's like eating <laughs> loads of sweets at once. Um, it's um, just full of uh, um, kind of jewels, linguistic jewels. It's just like explodes in your mind. And it's also like deeply moving and sad, but in a way that you just, you love to read. Um, yeah. Awesome. Fantastic book. Sounds great. So that came out on Thursday. And we can buy it from Bad Betty Press website that's and right. all good independent bookshops. Yes. Cool. Nice one. Yeah, that sounds great. We always we love promoting what you do on Bad Betty. Um, and Matthew, yeah, this vampire, it looks great. Um, so next, Rachel Rose Reed with I'm Hans Christian Anderson. That's uh, out on Burning Eye Books. Oh, I've read that. That's amazing. Have you? And yeah. I've herbed for it. Yeah. Oh, it's good. Well, that, I can't say better than that, can you? So Ooh, I like that one. That's yeah. expected to be shipped in the first week of December, which is scarily close. Uh, I'm Hans Christian Anderson strips for Sugarcoat from the famous teller of fairy tales whilst grappling with our own love affairs with Happily Ever After. Yeah, it sounds exciting. Yeah, sounds it's very good, exciting. good. She's such a talent, uh, Rachel Rose Reed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible storyteller. Yeah, 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 yeah. she's great, isn't she? Oh, is that coming there? Oh, I didn't realise it's that soon. Well, expected first week of December, according nice. to their website. Burning Eye Books. Um, okay, next, Sam J. Grudgings with The Bible 2. That's uh, Yeah, yeah. Have you read that as well? Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> good. You, see, you're on it. You're on it. That's good. Uh, that came out on Verve Poetry Press on the 11th of November. Exploring what God is to an addict, The Bible 2 is a gory, surreal how-not-to guide for alcoholics coming to terms with their own saviour complex in absence of traditional methods of recovery. Um, it's the last publication this year from Verve, and it looks it does it looks great. Sam J. Grudging's The Bible too. Um, next, Alice Frecknell, Somewhere Something Is Burning on Outspoken Press. That also came out on the 11th of November. I saw Alice on Thursday. Uh, it was great to catch up with her, and I'm very excited about this. So it's an examination of solitude and absence. The poems within this collection grapple with the reality and taboo of loneliness, pitted against an anxiety of connecting. Exploring human relationships, breakdown in communication and silence, self-inflicted or otherwise, the poems give voice to the fears and experiences that shape us and interrogate the ways in which we process and avoid. Frecknell's leaps of surreality, extreme empathy and vivid imagery make Somewhere Something Is Burning a compelling joyride of a read. That sounds impressive, doesn't it? She launched it recently at the Betsy Trotwood, which is one of the best pubs and venues in London, I think. And then last on the releases, the Football is Poetry Anthology slash Zine. This is being published by Tonic Star Press on Saturday the 27th of November. Um, basically just an anthology slash zine of loads of poems about football, which... It's also a sticker book. It's also a sticker book as well, which is amazing, isn't it? So like, you know, like old school football stickers, all the poets have got their own versions <laughs> and you get amazing. the sticker, you get a pack of stickers with the zine and then you can stick them in. Oh, How exciting is that? so exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I that, that football and poetry don't often cross over, but when we had Musa on last week, um, it sort of proved that it can do sometimes. And this anthology uh, proves it as well. So it features uh, loads of poets, including Jake Wildacre Hall, um, a tell of a stockbroker, Rick Dove, Maria Ferguson, Kevin P. Gilday, and myself. Uh, so you should get it online. It's only a fiver from Tonic, Tonic Star Press. Okay, last uh, content. So uh, I want to give a shout out to Giovanni Rose. Uh, Giovanni Rose is a young poet who was one of the winners of the Foyle Young Poets of the Year Award. Um, his poem, he's, he's only 17, and his poem, Welcome to Tottenham, is absolutely stunning. He's done a, a piece on the BBC website, which is like a fuse between a poem film and an interview. So I'll tweet out a link to that, uh, Giovanni Rose, on the BBC News website with the poem, Welcome to Tottenham. It's amazing. Uh, number two, uh, a podcast called I Offer Poetry. So it's hosted by a woman called Elizabeth Elson, and she interviews folks from all 
all walks of life and then invites them to share a poem in the same way that you'd share a song. Like people don't really share poems as often as they should and they're trying to change that. So it's a podcast called I Offer Poetry. You can find it wherever you usually listen to your podcasts. Um, John Agard became the first poet to win the Book Trust Lifetime Yay. Achievement Award, which is brilliant. Love John there's a really nice interview with him and Alison Flood for The Guardian, which you should check out. And also a nice him. feature in the bookseller as well. So shout out to John Agard. Um, Emmy Mahmoud with a poem, a poem called Our Land. So Emmy is a Sudanese-American poet. She's also a refugee and a goodwill ambassador for the UNHCR. And the poem was commissioned for and launched at the COP26 summit. And the video features Emmy walking through the Azraq refugee camp in Jordan, which is increasingly affected by climate change. So that's on the UNHCR website, but again, I'll tweet out a link. And then last up, um, a poem by Hannah Tem called She Hums. This is one of 10 which was produced from the CC Speakeasy, uh, which is a group of Southwest activists and Apples and Snakes commissioned it. So um, Hannah acknowledges humans' inextricable dependence on the earth and reflects on ancestral wisdom of indigenous nations as the solution to the healing of a planet and the subsequent saving of ourselves from the devastating effects of climate change. So a couple of climate change poems in there um, and some great news from John Agard. And that's my roundup for the month. That is wonderful. Thank you, Matt. Um, uh, I think you have a poem for us, don't you? Yeah. So this week is Trans Awareness Week. So I reached out to some trans poets to send us a recording. And this first one is by Faye Hernandez. So Faye was born in Chihuahua in Mexico, uh, but, 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 but raised in Inglewood, California. Um, Faye is a trans immigrant artist, writer and healer. They've been published in Poetry, Punk Magazine, Oxford Review of Books and loads more. Um, they're a Define American Fellow for 2021 and they are currently the Board of President for Gender Justice Los Angeles. I'm really over the moon that they sent us this recording. Uh, so this is Faye Hernandez. Hi, this is Faye Hernandez reporting live from Inglewood, California. Hello, Roaring Twenties Radio. I hope y'all doing good. Today, I will be reading one poem titled Our Moon Calling. Cry and your moon will follow. Your moon big, your moon bloody, big moon, horned moon, your moon strut, your moon woman, your moon man, your moon hungry, your moon taking care of the children, your little brother Vic in heaven, your little sisters your whole life. Your moon remembers Camila, how she said we write for TV together, how she a whole ass main character in heaven, her whole sitcom playing. Your moon fifth degrees with every planet. Your moon crazy. Cancer. This moon in Aries got me cutting people off that ain't never wanted to try anyways. Your moon an alien bitch. Your moon a kid playing with Joshua and Oscar in a field. Your moon learn how to be a friend again. Your moon horny. Your moon wants the sun to hold me from the back. Eclipse me into surrender. Into you got my back? Like, you my man, man, like, you ain't taking my magic lightly, like, our magic together make Horus and Isis happy, like, my moon, I roll, don't take no shit, tell you what to do, my moon, tell you when to tie your boat at port, cause I'll swallow a bitch, my moon perfect, and it's broken, and it's chipped, my moon generous, my moon mother. A father, my moon, watching my grandparents while they alone in the hospital. After death tried to take them, my moon, angry, don't tempt me. I will flip my switchblade. My moon ain't living anxious anymore. My moon dugging to the kitchen for snacks. My moon working out. My moon starving. Hunger keeps her going. My moon, me. 
My moon trembling, my moon orgasm, my moon touch me harder. We moon claiming ourselves back. We always been bright, baby. We always been one, my love. We Mary Magdalene and Mary crying at the crucifixion of our trans sisters. We be makeshifting exits out of the chaos. We moon virgins survive. We moon kinky experts. We the ocean tights with Yamaja. Oshun all mad because we chose the ocean and not the river. She still shows up anyways though. We all peaceful moon. We all theater prop on a stage. Our people below singing and dancing and we all alive we mooning around we moon full as fuck we moon in orbit and family in force with all our siblings and nibblings with all our trans children with all our people our moon our people kind our people extend a hand even when they don't got spare change our people loud and neck roll and big haired and straight haired and braids and baldies our people do their edges speak in smack our people our people speak spanish and people speak in english in colonized tongues our people don't speak colonized tongue our people speak gibberish our people funny our people know how to suck the marrow dry from all dead things our people alive our people everyday artisans, storytellers, barbers, and tax preparers, dramatic as poets and cooks and hustlers, our people accountable. Our people know when they fucked up and don't run away from truth. Our people don't leave you hanging. Our people try a language. Our people try to language even when they in pain. Our people street smart, immigrant smart. Our people black. Our people beautiful. Our people brown and indigenous. Our people Asian. Our people sometimes fuck up. Our people forgive and Hold and listen intently. Our people angry and don't forgive. Our people hold bricks in the air. Our people burn down nations that don't work to let seeds germinate back into a new world. Isn't that how pine trees keep growing? Our people strong. Our people the majority. We ain't never been small. Our people hold joy as much as grief. Our people do what the fuck they want. Our people not just one kind of people. Our people complex. Our people use their privilege to help others our people know what's up our people healing our people praying to the moon to ourselves to each other our people alicia and chunky and my mom who never left us by the roadside our people nikki and jan and lisa our people my sisters jazz and julie and janelle and jada our people are people who couldn't stay and left us but our people never stopped loving the friends gone the lovers gone the lives gone our people stay in love even in spirit even in death do us part our people got cords to all their people even when they're depleted even when they're betrayed and belittled our people fire our people bawi our people earth our people abolish the cops and systems of oppression our people free children from cages our people tired our people still wake up our people fight and the spell our demons to bring in the loving our people bring our demons when they don't want to leave our people stay in the dark if they need to our people chubby thick thin and coffee obsessed our people like anime and are open to new things like skydiving our people goofy as fuck our people read not just books but palmas and stars and cloud formations land changes our people know when a species is dying our people know how to let the dead stay dead know how to kill what needs to die like the united states our people the moon your people your people your people your moon my moon my people our people 
people the moon. The moon will follow. The moon will go downstream. The moon will start over. With you, the moon will dress you, will brush your hair, will brush your teeth. The moon will send you off in the morning with a lunch for you to eat during recess when you wake from death. Thank y'all for having me. I hope you have an amazing day. And I hope this poem revealed something new to you about your heart, your spirit, and where you're heading in life. Much love. That was the incredible uh, Faye Hernandez there. I'm so overwhelmed and very, very happy that Faye sent us that poem this week of all weeks as well. And it's Trans Awareness Week, so please check out Faye Hernandez, uh, fayhernandez.com. And it's F-E-I for Faye. All right, and now we're going to have a track chosen by Matt. This is Yasmin Lacey with Morning Matters. To me, it's happening for me. The cycle's never ending. That's why now I befriend it. What you leave at nighttime will come find you in the sunrise. Mornings matter to me. And even when it's miserable, thankful for the day to come. Oh, 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 and even when it's miserable, thankful for the day to come. I think the morning matters. I think the morning matters. I think the morning matters.
that was Yasmin Lacey with a beautiful song. And now we're going to have a poem from Jasmine Gardozzi. So Jasmine is a multiple slam champion, Birmingham Poet Laureate finalist and recent winner of the Outspoken Prize for Poetry. She's appeared on BBC Radio 3's Reverb and BBC Radio 4 and has performed at Tate Modern, Glastonbury and on Button Poetry. She's a Ledbury Poetry Festival trustee and poet in residence at the Bronte Parsonage Museum. Um, so Jasmine Gardozzi wrote this poem as part of a project in partnership between the National Literacy Trust and Birmingham Young Poets. And it's brilliant! It is brilliant. It is brilliant. It's, um, it's my favourite poem at the moment. <laughs> I've watched it about 50 times. Sorry, carry on, man. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's true. It's true. It's true. It's from a project called Notes from a Pandemic. And Jasmine's written a poem about how, you know, the pandemic was a bit like a roller coaster. But in a way that only Jasmine Gardozzi could could pull off she's performing this poem on a roller coaster so um yeah she's not pretending she actually is on a roller coaster you've got to check it out on youtube but we have to get the audio and play it for you today so this is uh, jasmine gardosi with a poem called roller coaster yay this pandemic absolute roller coaster wild but I'm trying to carry on as normal now. That's what everyone else seems to be doing. And I should be grateful that we've got our freedom back. Look at the direction we're going in. On the up. Finally, emerging into the light. Back out there in the real world. And yeah, my social skills have gone off the rails, but I'm getting them back on track. We've turned a corner in a good way. And I've loved going back to sweaty gigs and sitting on trains full of people and shaking hands with absolute strangers and coughing once and thinking it's COVID. And the path forward is clear. So clear, right? And we've done the hard work. So shouldn't it be downhill from here? See? Everything's flying. It's going smoothly. I found my rhythm. same place.
That was... That was a brilliant Jasmine Gardosi. Just Google, uh, search Jasmine Gardosi roller coaster on YouTube and you'll be able to see it. Even it's without amazing. watching it, you can actually hear her on the roller coaster, can't you? Yeah. Doing that poem. It's just absolute joy. Really clever. It's brilliant, isn't it? She's, she's so talented and she's just, yeah, there's not many poets who could pull that off, but yeah, I love, I love Jasmine. Okay, so my second recording for this month is uh, from Jonathan Kinsman. So Jonathan is a trans poet from Manchester, raised Church of England and with a background in theological study. He lives his life marrying his spirituality and their sexuality as well as being founding editor of Rigwelter Press and associate editor of Three Drops from a Cauldron he is also a BBC Edinburgh Fringe Slam finalist he received a distinction for his MA in creative writing at the University of Sheffield his debut pamphlet and that's for ampersand sign uh, was joint winner of the Indigo Dreams pamphlet prize 2017 and his second witness was published by Burning Eye in 2020 so for Trans Awareness Week this is a recording from the brilliant Jonathan Kinsman Hello Roaring Twenties Radio, I'm Jonathan Kinsman and this is my poem, Immolations. You fell in love with the fireman's daughter, and I'm sorry for your misplaced faith. This will protect you no more than sigils traced on playing fields by children running through the mist. This is a harsh place. In summer, the moors burn and everything on foot turns to the water, collects in the reservoir, live debris. The earth churns up blackened bones that crumble to ash in your hands. The smallest of femurs, neat little skulls set with milk teeth. But it's winter's bite that's deepest. Do you remember our bare legs, pink in the frost, how every snowflake scalded our skin? Or the day we were turned back by panicked teachers, melting plastic reaching our nostrils slower than burning flesh. A man rises at dawn with divine calm and walks onto Oldham Edge with a carton full of petrol and a pack of cigarettes. His eyes burst like yolks, run down his face as tears. He takes his medication, does not even scream. It was so cold then, huddled together like sheep, your hands clutching for warmth, ice on every breath, bodies grown numb, and year on year it returns. I am frightened of who we are in winter. I am frightened of what we will burn.
Hello, you're listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. Okay, so earlier this month, I had the opportunity to go and be writer in residence at West Dean down in West Sussex. And I had this magical week of writing in this amazing place. I mean, it's like living in a stately home or something, a castle or something. And I made a friend and she's just walked past and happens to be in Soho. Her name is Catherine Kurtz. She's got a show on at the Red Fern Gallery in Cork Street and she's here in the studio right now like a surprise. (laughs) Nice to be here. So um, I loved coming to see your show with my own eyes this week. I came to Cork Street and had a look. Can you tell people a little bit about your show? Um, absolutely. It's, uh, it's quite a big body of work. It's, um, it, they're paintings. Um, I find objects and things and paint them from life. So in a, in a sort of formal sense, they're still life. But um, I, I don't necessarily just put them on a table and look at them. I've got, um, I hang them on walls and things like that. Um, there are three series of paintings, um, one of which I've got a series of fabric swatches and there are colours and patterns and leather and um, sheer things and paint rags and they're hung on nails on the wall and then I, I paint them. Um, I, they're quite highly observed. Um, there's another series of butterflies, things that I've found in, in junk shops kind of all around the place and they very much look like... Um, like um, like butterflies as they might be in a frame displayed but they're actually my paintings and um and then the third series are little creatures and birds and animals that i've i've found and that friends have found and they've sort of collected from me on their on their walks um and again i've painted them from life so they're all they're all life size life size exactly they're all life size yes because i I really loved i really loved the show i really loved the details but i remember chatting with you very much about the shadows and the way that the shadows it's almost like a, a separate story going on in the shadows of your sort of pinned objects which I found really interesting can you tell our listeners a little bit about that absolutely I think um it's interesting when you when you hang something in a show like that they're under gallery lights and so there's a really high level of sort of scrutiny and exposure and the process of painting is a bit like that you put something under a under a light and look at it and I I do that with quite a lot of rigor I care about rigor in my work so I have daylight bulbs and I shine them on the physical object and the happy accident of the of the shadows that occur sometimes tells its own story. Sometimes it's doing something almost quite different than the object itself. Um, and, and then I observe that and I paint that and it's part of it's it's part of what it is. Um, it also quite often ends up contrasting and giving a lot of depth to the painting as a whole, if I'm lucky, and I'm doing my job. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you've done a fantastic job. So just to tell everyone again, the show's called Pinned. The show's called Pinned. It's at the Redfern Gallery on Cork Street. It'll be there. This is just the opening week. It'll be there till the 21st of December. Um, and it's in the downstairs gallery. OK, so if you're out and about doing your Christmas shopping, pop along to Cork Street, Cork Street and see <laughs> Catherine Kurt's new show. Thank you for popping in, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me. It's brilliant to be here. Thank you.
Hello, welcome back to Roaring Twenties Radio. Um, I'm Emma Rose. Um, you're listening to Soho Radio, and I'm on the air this weekend with our guest Amy Aker and Hi. my wonderful um, partners in crime, Matt Abbott and Selena Godden. Um, I'm just going to give you... A, it's been a busy month. <laughs> I'm going to give you my take on art stuff this month now. Basically, um, this month has been an incredibly busy one for me. Personally, on a work front, it's been quite good. I had a kind of, I don't know, I think maybe, I don't know, you, you can kind of work and work and certain things, you know, you think will be goals and certain things make you feel good and certain things you think will make you feel great, make you feel absolutely nothing. One thing that made me feel good was that um, I contributed to the audio guide for the Sophie Toyba Arp show at MoMA in New York. And it came out. And I didn't know how that was going to make me feel, but I just felt, okay, yeah. I'm right. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> that made me feel great, and it's also I think sounds good. The show I think is really really good. I haven't seen um, the actual exhibition in New York, obviously, but I saw the show when it was in London, and so that was something that was really exciting. And I've been fully immersed in the art world this month, writing a lot for Artnet News, and um, I went to Geneva last weekend for the. Um, a moving image biennial there which happens at the um, Contemporary Art Centre, the kind of Kunsthalle in Geneva and saw some amazing stuff and it was all kind of, um, we'll get to that bit later. But let me give you a rundown of what's happening in London that I think might be really good just briefly. Um, there's two shows on at Tate. Um, Tate comes in for a lot of criticism but there are two shows opening in the next couple of weeks which I think I'm really excited about and... Um, I think you may enjoy. First one is Labena Himid, who won the Turner Prize a couple of years ago. And um, she is a painter. She is a black British painter. And um, she's also an activist and she's done, you may remember her kind of like um, campaign that she did in The Guardian, where she went and worked as an artist in residence, kind of questioning how black people are represented in the media, how certain photographs communicate things you might not realize. Um, she dialed it down even to the way people crop people, photos of footballers, um, and just basically analysed um, imagery and advertising position and kind of um, even headlines and juxtapositions of stories with pictures of black people and said, you know, there's, there's kind of subliminal messaging in here. You don't understand the way that you're putting these things together communicate something about race. And which was a very brave thing to do, I think, to go into the institution, especially the Guardian, you know, which kind of probably thinks it's doing a really great job and on many ways, on many levels it is, but going in there and criticising them essentially was something really big. But essentially, I mean, really, she's a painter and the show that she's out that's opening at Tate this week is a show of paintings and... Um, She's a fantastic painter, and I urge you to go down and have a look at her wonderful painting. I guess, you know, a lot of the time, um, if you are from a minority or if you represent a certain group, you, your career can sometimes be overshadowed by your position as a kind of um, commentator or the position you fall into as a um, speaking, as a spokesperson. And this is a wonderful moment, I think, for her. 
um, because we're going to see what she does. <laughs> her, her actual work, as well as the activism and everything else. That's really that's opening this week. Uh, that's Labena Himid at Tate Modern. And another show opening at Tate Britain is a really interesting show called Life Between Islands, Caribbean British Art, 1950s to now. And it's a, as you can tell, the remit is huge. That's a long time. <laughs> and... Um, but it's covering kind of work by British Caribbean artists from the 1950s to now. And it's painting show, I think primarily some photography, and it's just, I think, a chance to familiarise yourself with these artists that, again, you know, um, have enjoyed long, great careers. Some of them, some of the younger ones, um, are you know, Grace Wales Boner. She's kind of quite... Um, She's very young, and Alberta Whittle's just 40. And then you've got people like Peter Doig, who's a British artist, but he lives in the Caribbean. Sonia Boyce, Donald Locke, Aubrey Williams, Horace Ove. It's a real kind of... It's a real span of artists making very different stuff. So that should be really interesting. And I think um, there's been a lot said about, you know, just kind of firing off kind of... Um, examples or kind of tokenistic kind of um, responses to the socio-political changes we've had over the last few years but this is more like um, uh, this is something a bit more kind of considered I'm hoping so <laughs> that's quite exciting and before um, quickly to move on because um, um, Matt obviously reminded me it's Trans Awareness Week and I wanted to talk a little bit about um, some trans artists that I'm aware of. Um, I feel like a lot of the trans artists that I see performing, painting, work by, and there are a, a, a few that I've seen more recently, it's a lot of people dealing very much with the body. I think there's something incredibly remarkable about putting your body forward as a piece of artwork when people are so project so much onto your body and the choices you've made about your body. And um, so I kind of, I always very much respect these artists. I saw um, Eben Sadipo at Freeze performing and um, she did this kind of wonderful, she does these kind of wonderful kind of half recitals, half performances, um, really beautiful stuff. And um, I was just kind of casting my eye over her Instagram and I saw that she'd done an event for a magazine called Boy Brother Friend that deals with um, kind of um, the diaspora and identity and gender, which I thought I wasn't aware of this magazine. And there's a lot of writing and video on here. So if you wanted to look at boy, full stop, brother, full stop, friend on Instagram, and there's a lot to kind of leave through there. A painter that I um, spoke to a while ago, um, I just remember this interview so clearly for it being in the middle of lockdown and um, feeling a bit wall-eyed, um, <laughs> but having a really, really great conversation with this young, I mean, she's young, she's fantastic, she's in her 20s, she's represented by Victoria Miro, so she's definitely very successful. But Kids and I, Violet Huami, is a painter and um, she is, she paints kind of she, she explores kind of like issues around sexuality and gender in her paintings and I think she talked to me in that interview about how she would explore ideas of what she perhaps was thinking about in terms of her own gender 
through painting by painting different people in different kind of with different across the gender spectrum so I thought that was really really interesting and something a really kind of beautiful way of exploring it and again um quite brave but also so logical if you're a painter to kind of put yourself out there in that way um and um to move on <laughs> with time I really didn't want to rush through these and I was moaning about it this week to the others but you know uh, we, we're on the radio and we don't have that much time <laughs> but one person who I became aware of listening to their music um, I think it was through the freak zone was um, Glenn Copeland or Beverly Glenn Copeland and there's a, um, an, a kind of documentary that's just come out or is on its way out called Keyboard Fantasies about him and um I'll read it because it's just, um, I'll read this. And it's just like a sci-fi obsessed woman living in near isolation. Beverly Glenn Copeland wrote and self-released keyboard fantasies in Huntsville, Ontario, back in 1986. And then I'll just skip a little bit. Three decades on, the musician now Glenn Copeland began to receive emails from people across the world thanking him for the music they'd recently discovered. And then, um, and it's just like, people like Fortet, Caribou, lots of people just were drawn to him and his work and um, he's having this amazing late success and um, I think on his website you'll see there's a it opens with the quote, I was told when I was young that I would not be successful until I was very old hmm. <laughs> but there's just this, it's really beautiful music, it's really thoughtful music and it, the documentary itself, I've just watched the trailer, I know a li I've heard some interviews um, and things like that. And he's just like a really remarkable kind of person and the journey that he's gone on again then um, with his kind of the people that he's found through self-releasing this album as people have discovered it is really interesting and kind of very life-affirming. And so um, just wanted to kind of mention that and that, that I think that documentary is out kind of imminently. Um, so basically, Keyboard Fantasies is the is the 1986 masterpiece, and then there's Keyboard Fantasies Reimagined, which is out now. And I wanted to play a track from that, and it's called Let Us Dance the Accra the the Arca sorry not Accra <laughs> the Arca remix, and it's by Beverly Glenn Copeland. And her idea. Thank you. 
just so beautiful i love that piece of music um you're listening to roaring 20s radio on soho radio i'm selena gordon and i'm here with my friends uh, amy is here in the studio and matt abbott's just across from me and i've got rose sitting next to me and outside it's all novembery and i don't know about you but i'm winding down for the year uh, I'm going to be taking a little break in December and catching my breath a bit because the last uh, the last 12 months, the last 18 months, the last two years, the last 10 years, I'm, I'm knackered. <laughs> <laughs> I am absolutely knackered. So I'm just going to tell you a couple of the things that I'm going to be getting into hibernating in December um, before the Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death paperback comes out in uh, in January. So I need a little breath before... I start plugging away on that and touring and gigging. Got some amazing gigs coming up next year. I'm looking forward to doing more performance, actually, instead of talking. Um, More show, less tell. Um, So, um, Life and Rhymes, uh, the the second series of the BAFTA award-winning Life and Rhymes, is now on TV. You can binge it on Sky Arts, or you can just watch it every Wednesday. So that's hosted by the great Benjamin Zephaniah. Um, coming up, um, uh, I don't know if you watched the one last week, uh, so many highlights. Miss Yankee was amazing. Um, but coming up next Wednesday, it's me and Lem Sisse. And then a little later on in the series, you've got Kay Tempest. So that's a fantastic, if you want to see, see you know, maybe you can't get out of the house or you're still isolating or shielding. If you want to get that sort of live poetry, then check that out. That's Life and Rhymes on Sky Arts, BAFTA award winning show hosted by Benjamin Zephaniah. Um, oh, you can find it on Now TV too as well um also a uh, thing to sort of <laughs> that i'm that i want to tell you about is i did a game show so i'm on quote unquote which is on bbc radio 4 it's uh it's this is this is the it's this show is like part of kind of you know part of the fabric of radio 4 um so I was quite imp- quite shy, quite nervous to do it. Um, but you can hear my episode on Monday, 
the 22nd of November and then I'm in another one later in the series but they're on their like 500th programme so it's been going for years and um, and it's a funny game show it's on Monday afternoons 3 o'clock Radio 4 um, as for Netflix I just want to shout out two films that have made a huge remarkable uh, remar- you know, big imprint in my brain was um, Harder They Fall I love seeing Idris Elba in anything but I love seeing him here being a baddie and I really love that Regina King is a, is powerful in that and I also really enjoyed Passing which is a black and white movie and it's just amazing about um, um, African Americans that try to pass or, or many successfully passed for white um, but I, I think there were so many levels in it um, I think it was also about passing for you know, being a different class and also passing for being straight. Um, it was based on a book that was written in the 1920s, which I'm definitely going to be reading this winter um, because I want to understand more and, and where that story came from. It's a really beautiful, beautiful film. And also I'm a massive fan of Ruth Negger, so I was really, really into it. OK, so books. We have so many amazing books. I mean, hats off to all authors and poets that have been making this incredible work during a pandemic and the publishers that are helping make it and the people that are promoting it and the booksellers and the book bloggers I mean it's just incredible the amount of talent and the amount of exciting books that are on my pile Um, so some of these recommendations are books that are for pre-order I'm going to be reading and I've got on my pile New Animal by Ella Baxter that's coming with Picador that's out in February and it's a book of sex and death and grief so you know that's right up my street um also coming out next year april 2022 look out for none of this is serious by Catherine prasifka um it's about female friendship and obsession and that's coming out with canongate april 2022 um on my pile is the coward by jared mcginnis that's out now so get that that's good for your re- christmas reading and that's out with canongate um, the latest Dark Mountain is out. I don't know if you follow or subscribe to Dark Mountain. It's amazing climate change writing. So I'm going to be getting into the new new issue of that. Our Wives Under the Sea by Julia Armfield. That's out March 2022. The cover is amazing. It's a story of love, loss, grief and what life there is in the deep, deep sea. I haven't got into it yet, but that's on my pile. Going back to sort of uh, climate change and futuristic and dystopian writing I've been really getting into the 14th novel by the great writer Maggie G OBE her novel uh, new novel is called Red Children and it's out in March 2022 so I'd uh, I'd pre-order that now that's it's amazing it's set in the 2030s in a world in crisis it's a gripping fable about migration and global warming and belief in the power of community and human kindness and Maggie G can really tell a story really gets you in there so um i highly recommend that nearly comes to the end of my list and abigail bergstrom and um, what a shame um, um that's on my pile that's published by hodder in february 2022 out now irvin welsh crime he probably needs no big up i mean we all know who irvin welsh is but i think that i only just discovered that tam dean byrne read the audiobook so that's out now a great friend tam dean byrne we've got the same birthday i've known him for decades uh, shout out to tam and to irv i'm looking forward to getting stuck into that crime is actually 
actually on TV. Ah, I can't remember which channel, but yeah, but you can watch it, watch it, or listen to it, or read it. It's all, it's on all. It's all, you know, just absorb it. You know, it's going to be gritty and good. JJ Bowler, the selfless act of breathing, is on my list. Mona Arshi, somebody loves you, is on my list. And working class voodoo, Bobby Parker. I'm a big fan of Bo- all Bobby's poetry. I think it's incredible. And what I'm walking around with in my bag and reading constantly and loving is Wendy Erskine, um, dance moves what an incredible short story writer she is so hopefully we'll get her on the show okay that's all i'm going to recommend for now um if you go to my bookshop i put all my readings so some of these books are books i've been sent early because i'm lucky and people want me to maybe do a blurb or shout about it on the radio so thank you to everyone that's been sending books you'll find my bookshop on bookshop.org Um, And now this is the new single by the fantastic Grace Savage. I love this. Congratulations to Grace. Brilliant work this year. And here's the latest. Running out of melodies Looking like the shell of me Holding on to gravity You don't want to let me get away Forever stepping on my tail Running out of melodies the part of the show 
where um there i am hello 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 sorry about that um i was just showing rose my sore ankle i fell over like an old lady this morning on the way to the radio station okay moving on swiftly that's quite enough information uh too much information i would like to talk about this fantastic anthology called sunburnt saints which is coming out later this month um it's coming from massive overhead productions a creative cooperative set up by the writer andrew leach and filmmaker photographer alex bowman clark it's launched they together they're launching a new publishing imprint 721 it's going to be run by leach a former publishing executive and writer hannah Passod, whose debut novel the codes of love was published by muswell press in 2020 721 will publish short novels novellas short story collections and other short works so i am really excited about some burnt saints anthology andrew got in touch with me and liked my uh poems and said maybe i could put one or two in but i think it's mostly um just short stories so coming up i'm going to give you some little tiny snippets from five of the authors. We've got something coming from Astra Bloom, Andrew Leach, Giselle Lieb, Anna Vort, and James Wolfe. So here we're going to have five in a row, tiny little snippets from new anthology coming out, I think it's November 30th, um, with massive overheads with 72 one. 72 one. Okay, Sunburnt Saints, take it away. This is taken from a story called The Inevitable by me, Andrew Leach, and it's part of the Sunburnt Saints collection. A gust of wind whipped the side of the house, whistling as it went. The house rocked like a boat, which in a way it was. Agent Vaughan swallowed. Marina saw him check himself, saw it in his eyes, the, did I just feel that? You get used to it, she said, the rocking. His smile thin as paint. Every time I have to come up here, he said, or out to the west, always takes me by surprise. We've just gotten used to it, I guess. It can actually be quite soothing. Traces of Arizona still living within her accent, the echoes of a past. Vaughan nodded, managed a dry half chuckle that almost caught in his throat. Well, I think we're pretty much done here, he said. You have everything you need? I think so. We won't need to trouble you for another year. His eyes gave away that he knew how dumb that sounded. The annual check on people's papers, running through the inventory. Not born in this country? Then your status needs to be examined and, providing nothing adverse is revealed, verified, no matter who you are. People's station determined by an accident of circumstance. Just let people be, he thought. Still, a job's a job. Not many around that paid more than the universal hourly allowance. He counted himself lucky and swallowed questions that in the wrong hands sounded both patronising and intimidating. If only everyone was as pleasant about it as Marina McFall. Not going to be throwing me out any time soon, she said. No, you're all good. Vaughan pushed some papers into the slim attaché case he carried with him. Back up should the internet go down and his devices become redundant. Since the floods had been happening with such regularity, it had become accepted as a way of life. Everyone carried paper now. 
I'm Anna Vaught, and this is the story I've written for 72 One, um, their first book, Sunburnt Saints. It's called, it's a very long title, The Cunning Woman, the Fox, and the End Times of Extravagant Beauty. Um, if you can imagine uh, a cunning woman, a wise woman, a woman who's sort of odd, who lives at the edge of a village, um, but to whom people go for wisdom, and we're in the mid-17th century, and her thoughts are haunting her, and her ideas are prescient, and it's about what she can see happening to the world about her. I could not tell a soul. I could not tell a soul, but I longed for hearth and a hedgerow full of dock and campion of cow parsley waving its gentle heads at dusk, of drinking in twilight, of darkness and hearts beating nearby in storied dirt, of cobwebs and water mired over with weed and tumble-down honest things. There was more. I wanted a fox, a vixen screaming chill at the edge of the wood and kind cottages to visit, places where an old woman lulled me at dusk and saw me with the eyes of a wise mother, though not entirely good. Those things too. I love them better than the gloss on a courtly oil, the flourish on a bow or on a pose. I could not tell a soul because no one would listen to me and the hour was too late. They thought I was a weird and a fool to panic. There were few people I trusted in our world and this was because of what they had done. Then, even if they did good and were kind, I still saw them look at the green earth without urgency and think it would repair, and they could continue to take what they needed, buy all the new gym crackery they wanted, because it was just one person, one household, and they deserved it because, oh, they worked hard and were good in all other ways they knew they were. You should not judge them, daughter, said my good father in our dim room. They are good people, and you drive them away with your poor humour and because you judge. But I thought differently because I saw the outcome of their kindness. When the campion came late or early or not at all, and when the bladderack was dry and fizzed on the sand, sometimes the sound of the vixen too was new and odd as if she were crying in pain and in her heart was a desperate melancholy so with the cry ringing in my ears it did not matter if their kindness meant they looked to one another with grace and were helpful minded their manners and kept a tidy home for others to enjoy when i looked all I saw was the conspicuous consumption of their tables, their gaudy clothes, and a pretty change purse in church, while beyond the lich gate the world boiled, the wind howled, and the mole did not come up, or the painted lady butterfly come to the buddlier bush by that gate. OK, here's the thing, Tom says. We've got two kids, Jessica and me, we're... Well, they're young teenagers now, and, and to me, it seems pretty hard line to tell people that if they want to live here, they can't have children. As I say, it's one of our rules, she replies. It's not the only one. Another says that we'll share our food and energy with the wider community in so far as we're able. I know, and that's all very laudable, but the no-children thing 
seems a bit Orwellian. I guess we'd ask why you'd want to bring children onto a planet that's in its death throes. You're pretty much handing your kids a world filled with famine and conflict, the only certainty being that things will be getting very much worse. Tom winces, nods slowly. Okay, I hear what you're saying. I don't agree, but I hear it. He pauses a moment. But what if someone did get pregnant? What would happen then? Well, it wouldn't happen to me. If one of you did, our readers will want to know this. What do your rules say about that? It's not covered in our rules, and if, and it would be the choice of the woman, obviously. She wouldn't have the choice to stay here if she wanted to keep it. That's the point I'm making. Shurini looks at him steadily for several seconds. I can only repeat what we've all agreed. As they come back outside, there are a handful of people on the lake. Some are in small boats, others swimming or sitting on a raft. They look like they're having fun, Tom says, considering they think the world's about to end. Hi, I'm Giselle Leap, reading an extract from my story, The Goldfinch is Fine. The weatherman struggles to keep his weather face on, serious with a hint of cheer, sweeping his hands across the northeast Atlantic towards the UK in the direction of the low-pressure arrows. The enclosed broadcast studio, with its strictly delimited walls and ceiling, no longer calms him. He watches himself on the small screen in front of him, still smiling, still making the occasional joke. Could be worse, he could be a newsreader. The station has gone full CNN lately. Live graphics have him standing on a gently lapping sea, explaining the increasing frequency of rogue waves, until an animation of a giant wave surges through his body like a materialising ghost. Stay warm and dry, folks, he quips, and feels like slapping himself. Last the cameraman comes over to him after the broadcast, headphones round his neck. The weatherman lifts his chin and tries, unsuccessfully, to relax his facial muscles. Don't scare him. Like his weather reports, the crew's customary bustle has become lacklustre, distracted. Younger than him, they have always treated him with deference, but also as if he is irrelevant. Now they are finally taking a keen interest in the weather, asking questions. What is going to happen is what they really want to know. I just present the weather has become a stock answer, which is not entirely true. A qualified meteorologist, he knows both more and less than he would like. But what else can he possibly say? He couldn't start to explain that out there and in here are phrases he wishes still had currency. At times his mind reverts to a childish imagining, the studio windows breaking, sharks and God knows what flooding and hunting. Though if it does happen, it's unlikely the sea creatures will behave in quite that way. Lars's last question was about the speed of rogue wave formation, something technical, and he waits for his next with a twinge of dread. But Lars only asks about the setup for tomorrow. He towers over the weatherman, but his troubled eyes look so like those of an uncertain child that the weatherman contemplates telling him about the goldfinch to cheer him up. He dismisses idea. The goldfinch is his little secret. What would the crew think if they discovered that his private obsession is to watch a small, plain-looking bird nesting high up on a pristine glacier? He gives Lars an awkward, guilty smile. 
His carefully cultivated, reserved Englishman persona is starting to feel redundant. He's always half known that he's far too young for it. And besides, the times are changing. Eve's Old Flame by Astra Bloom. A snippet. So, the man had been left the house. His mother had died. You are woken in darkness, Eve, purred a ginger cat or a fox beneath the lamppost in a dream of mine. I accompanied the man to the house, a cottage at the foot of the South Downs, Edenwick, half an hour from Brighton, where we both lived. It was a long time since I'd known him. He didn't at all remember me. I wondered what his penis would feel like, what he read, cooked, if he slept at night. I wondered if he'd caused much damage in his lives. Wanted to inquire, have you wronged the earth much? Good question, chirped a robin atop a holly bush. We had bumped into each other at a book launch. Sometimes you know someone who asks you long to fill the room. A speech about how long it had taken to write the novel, and I was secretly scoffing as, yeah, six years, try writing a novel 600, when Adam sauntered up to me. And I re-loved and re-hated him immediately. My feelings for him were once more maddening. Because A, he wore a green suit. Because B, he wore a green suit. Vintage style, worn out, punky t-shirt with it. Tall, skinny, rib-showing man, hopeless, tired-eyed type that I'd wanted to leap out and lick like an excited puppy since always. I'd worn white, ordinarily being middle-aged and blonde. White feels all wrong, too young, too hard to keep clean. Thought of a white dress makes me angry. But this dress, muslin, loose, she said, wear me. With that fake leopard print coat of yours, it might be golden out there, but it's still winter, dummy. And that coat helps you be more animal. During much launch clapping, we slipped next door to a pub with live music. Adam could dance. I mean, there was an innocence and a joy in the way he moved, like he was dancing alone in front of the blurry fridge reflection, the way I did. Not Prince, I mean, no Josephine Baker, certainly no Isadora, but cute, easy, free. Watching him, I'd felt suddenly surprisingly horny. Just like our first time way back when, it seemed, we were the first ever couple to get it on. The night was too warm for December, or was it July? As we walked from the pub to the beach, I didn't ask Adam what he did for a job like people always do too soon, and said I asked what damage he'd done. You were just listening to Sunburnt Saints, um, a fantastic new anthology by 72.1, an anthology of short stories focused on the environment and climate emergency um, featuring established and emerging writers. Thank you to Astra Bloom, Andrew Leach, ah, Anna Vort, uh, James Wolfe and Giselle Lieb. You're listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. It's at Roaring Twenties Radio and the 20s is 20S. And we're also on Anchor FM with our podcasts, our previous episodes as podcasts. Here we have Sufian Stevens and Angelo de Augustine with Olympus. Soft Jan! <laughs> Lift 
Okay, so now at the top of the show, the headline act, we have our interview with Amy Aker. But up first, Amy is going to treat us to a reading, so I shall hand over to Amy Aker. Hello. Um, I was starting to feel really dreamy listening to that song. I almost wasn't ready for you. I was just kind of <laughs> super calm and, and tranquil. I was like, oh, now I have to, have to speak. Um, so hi, yeah, thank you. I'm so um, happy to be on the show with you guys today. And I'm going to um, start with a poem that uh, I wrote recently. It's called Dance on My Grave. And the title is taken from a book that I think probably many of you might know. It's a book by Aidan Chambers. It's a YA novel that came out in 1982. And it was quite a seminal piece because it was the first book aimed at a teenage audience to feature a gay positive storyline. Um, so this poem is kind of partially about that and it's also about my daughter Billy, who is three. So this is Dance on My Grave. In St. Mary's garden, Billy is jumping on graves. I try to catch her, unruly pigeon 
winging between broken sundial, benches that remember. She wants me to dance with her among the dogs and tilia, stone chests and heart's tongue, and I try to explain. Someone's under there. Dance on my grave was a book I stole from school. Library plastic-wrapped thrill about two boys, Southend geeks who held each other from the ground up. One, uprooted, kept holding, while the other became earth, swallowing still in the flower of grief, and as I read, I plunged my tips into dirt, downing fistfuls of queer and glowing language, rose and petaled, my cyberdog dyed head and many colours baptisia spread and inhaled and concealed between pages. Time capsule to raise later. A character actor I can't place pretends not to see us. I keep my eyes on the slabs. Billy kicks in tap, tails and top hat holding a leaf. Knows without knowing how rationed sunlight, death's withholding, makes us want to turn up the bass. There's nothing quiet about the dead. Nitrogen ghosts fibrillate soil into spring that births birdsong. Coral bells are bursting, budding or spent, and I think of pissing in bushes. The way bark feels against your bare back, dark yards haunted by lighters and cider. Child of mine sways to raise a chorus line of vertebrae. I cave, rest on the unwritten corner of a ledger stone. I'm sure they won't mind. And I keen for the thunder if I were to rise in rhythm. Slam a boot, lift a boot and slam it down. Fill the dirt, give me back. Oh, wow. Thank you. Beautiful. What a way to open. That was incredible. Goosebumps, yeah. Thank you so much. So that was a fairly new poem, did you say? Yeah, that's that's super new. That's that's its first outing. Is it? Pretty much, yeah. Wow. Uh, we got an exclusive. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And is that um, one of the poems that you're writing for your debut collection that's coming out? Uh, yes, that's right. I've been uh, working on that uh, the last few months. I went away and did a, a writing retreat in Arvon in the beautiful uh, Lumbank in Yorkshire and was kind of finishing off the uh, sort of semi-final draft, which I've to send over to my editor uh, at the end of next week which is very exciting and very scary yeah i bet how long have you been working on the collection um it's so i think probably the oldest poem in it is probably something like three years old but i've been working on it kind of in earnest uh for the last year year and a half something like that i kind of was slowly collecting poems and then um someone got in touch with me and said have you got a collection and i was like well if you're asking, then I will have, yeah. Um, and then had a mad scramble putting it together. And then it's just been, yeah, an exciting process. And meanwhile, you've been publishing so many incredible collections and pamphlets, obviously through Bad Betty as well. So you're like living, breathing poetry all the time. Oh, man, it's too much. Is it difficult to pick, pick up one hat and put it down and then put on like working on your own collection instead of somebody else's manuscript? Um no, it's not. It's actually super helpful because I think I learned so much from the poets that I work with and editing them helps me to edit myself, but also yeah. I get so much from them because they're just astonishing writers. Um, 
so I think it does I think I think that makes me a better writer yeah yeah it must I mean even just going through submissions for your anthologies and your competitions as well that must be so amazing just reading through all these different poems uh, yeah well actually we had some help with that with our last anthology the book of bad betties which um came out in september for that we worked with a couple of incredible poets vanessa kasule and anya koenig and they um edited the book with us so they read loads of submissions and they curated it and uh, they did just a wonderful job and it was brilliant because we've uh you know we're a really small outfit it's just me and jake shout out jake wildhall <laughs> and <Woo-hoo>! um <laughs> so this was the first book that we'd given someone else to edit right and uh, and it was just great because obviously Vanessa and Anya are incredible and and it was great because they didn't know each other before and they're both oh, such okay. powerhouses and they're very different and they um, kind of fell in love a bit like they just got on so well and it was brilliant um, I think they might be planning to go skiing together or something <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah the book uh, yeah I was so happy with how that book turned out yeah yeah it looks like such a phenomenal project yeah it's all poems um, paying tribute to the women who've changed our lives um yeah and it's got um it's got 25 poets in it it's got cecilia knapp i'm not going to list them all but um <laughs> yeah lots of, uh sophia mario kinshasa um helen bowell yeah it's a nice um yeah just a lovely book to work on awesome i kind of i noticed like from working on the show and working with matt and selena that you have really kept the momentum up with your publishing throughout you know this difficult time i hate saying that but throughout <laughs> all these turbulent changes we've all been experiencing um you've really kept up the momentum how was that how did you achieve that um just a lot of anxiety just <laughs> <laughs> i don't know just like that kind of constant stress that i think oh we've got to keep it going i mean i think really the real reason is just that we got submissions from too many good poets and we couldn't so, say no um, so we've kind of ended up in a situation where like we're probably like next year we're doing we're putting out 12 books we're putting out a book a month which wow. is wild wow. that's yeah. going to be um, crazy but it's amazing we've got a book from Shane McRae we've got Melissa Lee Houghton we've got Candice Siobhan nice. Walker like it's such an incredible lineup, and we feel so honoured that all of those poets wanted to, to work with us so but it's just meant that we're yeah we, we just have to keep <laughs> on pushing through and um, yeah it's a lot, but it's worth it. And will you be taking your own poems out and airing them for the world? Are you going to be performing? Yeah, absolutely. Great. Mm, yeah. Um, Are you happy to talk about the collection and its themes, or do you want to keep that under wraps until it's maybe further down the line? Have we got a title? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like grilling there's, a, you. there's a working title. There's okay. that part of me that's like, uh, we could do just a little focus group and, you know, <laughs> tweet in. Um, it's, I, I actually have to, I think my editors now are like, you've got to decide the title because I've, I've been going back and forth on it for a while. So, yeah. Um, I have to let them know. But the theme, um, it's, it's, it's about the intersection between parenthood and personhood. Um, so kind of about the family about being a mother about what that means about different kinds of mothers and motherhood and how um motherhood kind of exists as a political concept um and also just about trying to hold on to yourself and who you are as a person and as a sexual being and as a you know as someone who's not always perfect or tidy or organized and you know is sometimes a mess and uh kind of making peace with that and all those different strands of yourself yeah, yeah together wow that sounds awesome so that's coming 2023 did you say yeah. yeah okay cool um well do you fancy reading another poem are you up for sharing yeah, another I'd love poem to. um so i'm gonna read a 
Um, I wanted to read this poem, and then I realised that it's a, it's set in a graveyard, and I was like, you can't read two poems set in graveyards. <laughs> What's going on? Like that's that's ridiculous. And um, but then I thought, well, I'm I'm in the studio with Selena, and I'm a <laughs> big fan, well, of everything you do. But I loved Mrs. Death, and Mrs. Death. So I thought oh, I might cool. just do a little kind of deathy selection <laughs> yeah. for you. Bring the death. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like a. I want to say it's a funny story, but it's not. It's a sad story. But um, I was in the cemetery a few years ago visiting my dad, and I saw um, a name on a stone, and I was like, oh, that dead guy's got the same name as James. Uh, and James was this guy that I knew when I was, like, kind of 13 to 15, and we were, like, in youth club and summer camp together, and we were we were kind of friends but not really friends. We were kind of both on the opposite peripheries of the same group and I always really liked him because he was shy and sad and I was shy and sad. Um, but we didn't connect all that much but I felt a kind of possibly one-sided kindredness. Um, so anyway, and then I saw his name on this grave and it took a minute to clock that it it wasn't the same name, it was, it was him. Um, and I didn't know what happened and I wasn't close enough with him to kind of reach out to his family or say you know look into it but I uh kind of did the only thing I could do with that information which was to write a poem so this is called finding out you're dead by walking past your grave I ask your name what it's doing on a stone it doesn't answer because that's not how names talk when I see your name, I'm not in a poem, and nothing is the colour of anything else. I'm locked on gravel, by the loam soil houses of my dad and grandparents, who aren't there, although their names are. Since your name doesn't have much to say, I ask the stone. It also doesn't answer. Stone is a dense, unyielding claim, and it is much heavier than a soul, which is why they put it on top of dead people. When you line stones up like that, you have a deconstructed guessing game, or a theatre of closed mouths. Your name shines as if new, as if rain got lost in the shape of someone, as if nothing. But the dates kill you. I don't know why. I don't want blame to paint a picture on my phone. I ask a blank page why it's made of stone and it tells me a version of a story. And then another. In the versions, the letters of your name shimmer like sun on the smile of a razor. Shine on curved glass a puddle in a pothole, or any other thing that takes light from a source before passing it up to the sky. So beautiful. That was beautiful. It was wonderful. Yeah. Thank, you, Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you so much. Well, I think we're running out of time now. 
So I, what's left to do is to say thank you to Amy Aker for being our incredible guest. Thank you for Catherine Kurtz for popping in. Thank you to everyone that's tuning in. Thank you to all of the people in the Sunburned Saints anthology sending work in. Thank you, thank you, thank you to Matt and to Rose for putting up with me once a month <laughs> making this show. Um, we are two years old today. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday Happy to birthday. us, the terrible Happy two. Yeah. We're going to have some Prosecco now. Yeah. And and that's going to be grand, but I'm afraid we can't record that bit. No, I got to amyaker.org as well. Yeah, if you yeah. want to hear more, I beg your pardon. Yeah, if you want to hear more from Amy Aker, go to Amy Aker. I'm also on Twitter. And she's also on Twitter. Amy Aker Poet. And Bad Betty Press yes. is .com. Bad Betty Bad Press .com. Yeah, yeah. check and out on all the socials. Lovely, lovely, lovely stuff. We're going to play out with one of our classic favourites, some Elvis McGonagall. Um, this is his new piece. I think it's called Walls or the Wall. Walls. Walls. Wall, walls, walls, plural. Yeah, and uh, and this is gorgeous. This is Elvis. Elvis rocks. Total legend. Playing out with Elvis. Thank you for tuning in. Roaring Twenties Radio on Silver Radio. See you next time. See you next time. See you. Love you. Bye. Jericho to Jerusalem, from the Solway Firth to the River Tyne. Walls fortify, defend, secure. Walls draw the battle line. Walls brick up understanding. Walls exercise control. Walls are silent. Walls have ears. Walls exact their toll. Pay no 
flag or crown 